Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Today's message addresses an issue that is difficult for many to acknowledge, believe, or accept. This being my final message on doctrines of devils, or devil worship, rather. It's a sad fact that many people simply do not believe in a literal devil. And in doing so, they have become victims to a demonic influence of deception and have brought in to his lie. I'm thankful this morning for Cammie who said that in her youth boost that it's easy, and she was victimized and almost gave in to the lie of Satan. Thank you, my child, for that. I'm glad to know that some young people have not bought into the lie and realized there's demons. We just returned from America Tree. Twelve wonderful couples was there with me and my wife. And one of the things that I mentioned to them was that we're in the marriage business. And our product is children. That's what we produce. I am convinced that God is setting aside a remnant of young people who will pave the way for Christ's soon return. I also believe that the devil, even though he does not have all knowledge, he's not omniscient, but I believe he can sense that God is doing something among the youth in our nation. And as the devil did with Jesus in the wilderness, the devil is trying to divert these young people's attention, altering their destiny. The dangers of social media, animated cartoons, holiday that will be taking place next Monday, Video game is all a part of that diversion. But there's one factor that may go unnoticed by many, and that is the lack of parental skills, techniques, involvement, and concern. We have gotten so busy trying to make it trying to improve, trying to move into the right neighborhood, get the right job, buy the right car. As adults, we don't forget 
that our first responsibility is raising our children. When we look at this Old Testament text in Psalm 103:37, where it speaks of parents sacrificing their children to devils, here it actually means that they were throwing their children in the fire just to appease a heathen God. But today we can kind of equate that to throwing our children into the fires of the world. We have allowed daycare centers, schools, and even television to raise our kids. Psalm 107 is a historic account of the nation of Israel from their deliverance from Egypt until the conquest of the promised land. It recounts Israel's failure to reveal and reveals to Israel the lack of their proper response for the goodness and the blessing of the Lord. You heard Athea today talk about all of the things that they went through. And she was trying to get you guys to see you don't have that problem now. God has blessed us with vehicles to come to church, air conditioning, as she said, restrooms inside. And how do we respond to the goodness of God? When most of our men were laborers, now they're doctors. Many of our women are in high-level positions of authority. So how do we respond to God's goodness for all that he has done for us? The nation of Israel didn't respond in a proper way. Instead, they embraced the culture of the pagan nation that they were commanded to destroy and the writer of Psalm 106 reminds them that because they did not obey God's command to demolish the Canaanite, that over time they adopted the same practice of their neighbor. And one of those practices involved a heathen god named Moloch. Moloch required the best to be sacrificed to him, the firstborn. And the people began to give success to their children's sacrifice because the promised land became prosperous. This is how far God's people had fallen from him. You want to know the sad part about this? They believed that they were doing the right thing. I'm going to say that again. They believed that they were doing the right thing. They thought that they were giving God their best and was proud of what they were doing. And on the surface, it appeared to be working. The crops began to produce, and they gave credit to a heathen God. The flocks began to have multiple sheep, goat, and cattle, and they gave credit to heathen God. 
The people were prospering, so they convinced themselves that God must be pleased. And they began to give credit to heathen gods. But Moses had told them that this would happen. He had already predicted this, and I want to just read with you Deuteronomy 32, verses 15 to 17. But Jerem, and that's a pet name for a child, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleep. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abomination that provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were not God, to God that they had never known, to new God that had come recently, whom their father had never dreamed. Today, there are many new gods in our society that come up recently. It's really what the Apostle Paul was, was warning Timothy about. But education has its place, but don't let education be a new God. Vocation, the job we have, they have their place. They provide living for us. God gave them that. But don't let them become new gods. Athea said that she didn't have a choice about church. And sometimes we allow children to have choices about church, but we will make them go to school. We will say things like, you got to get a job if you're living in my house. But we're afraid to tell them you got to go to church if you're living in my house. New gods are rising. We're even to the point that where we're saying that our God, your grandmama God, wasn't good enough. You can make your own choices. When we say that, that's what we're saying. Let the children find their own way. You are the parent. You're supposed to be guiding them to the right way. If you believe in what you say believe, then that's the right way. Paul is trying to convince Timothy, who is a young pastor of the church at Ephesus. And some of you in faith development remember about this church at Ephesus. And he gives them a standard of behavior for the church. Timothy is a young pastor with a mixed congregation of youth and old members. On one hand, it said, uh, don't let them look down on your youthfulness. But he also told them to give an example the church was going through a transformation period of growth. And this led to several challenges for this young pastor named Timothy. The main thing he had to deal with is the infiltration of false teachers. But he also had to deal with disorder in worship. He had to deal with the lack of qualified leaders and the love of materialism. But Paul, in his wisdom, knew that sound doctrine was the solution to these challenges. 
Many of the members, old and young, were babes in Christ who needed spiritual nourishing. And Paul was basically telling Timothy this. It's not enough to say to a child who is misbehaving, behave yourself. The child must be taught what is expected and what constitutes good behavior. Come on, folks, they're children. Not adults. There's things that they don't know. Spilling milk is a natural thing for a child that don't have the big hands. You don't need to get mad and get the spanking spoon out because they made a boo-boo. But they'll watch you and maul you to discover what's right and wrong. Paul knew the sound doctrine was going to be the solution to these challenges. So he starts with this letter to Timothy with a charge. I charge you therefore. Next he instructs them about church and church worship. Then in chapter 4, like Moses, Paul issues a strong warning to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, chapter 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly said that in the latter time, King James says, in the last days. In the last days. Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. Teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars, and we know who the author of liars, whose conscience are seared. The word especially says here means Clearly plain. It's a phrase that has a sense of visible evidence of something. Paul was speaking of when there would come a time when there would be clear and visible evidence of a departure from the Christian faith. King James rendered this thing falling away, and the theological term is apostasy. The word apostasy means departure from that which one once held dear. One of the reasons that Chairman McElroy and I was taken so strongly by Zaria's letter is she didn't mix no words. She said it was tough. And that little group they have, the pink whatever, was to bond themselves together so they could hold each other accountable. But even on Christian colleges, young people are falling away from the faith. And the danger of it is that they don't see it as falling away from the faith. 
It's a new thing that they're doing. The word here means to draw back or remove oneself from something. These were members of the faith who one time had a sound belief and commitment to Christ, but then they drifted away from the truth toward a new religion inspired by demons influenced by teachers. And these false teachers who were indwelled by evil spirit deceived people because they themselves were deceived. The Bible says that their conscience was seared with a hard iron. In other words, their conscience has become so insensitive and hardened, they no longer had any scruples about contradicting God's word, even teaching things that they knew were untrue as true. When you think about a seared conscience, I want you to think about a callous or a corn, as my grandmama used to call it. When something develops on your foot that hard, you can take a knife and actually cut it off and you won't feel no pain. And when your mind gets seared, you don't feel any conscience. Are you wondering why we got people killing their own children or even children killing their own parents. People who got mothers that raised them now won't even go and visit their mother in their nursing home. It's because their mind has become callous. Now Paul identifies two doctrines of devil in this and my retreat brothers and sisters I want you to pay attention to this first one marriage restraints and number two is going to be dietary limitation let's look at the scripture and we'll deal with both briefly verse three of first Timothy says who forbid marriage and require apathy from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. And even though Timothy here by Paul uh, instruction deals more with the dietary thing, I think I'm going to deal more with the marriage side. The money teaches, they pushed a doctrine called spiritual infinity. Spiritual infinity means that the physical union between a man and a his wife was unholy. So they began to try to disband all these marriages. Marriage couples were seduced to 
divorce their lawful partner. And it really wasn't even divorce, just to just leave them and form what they call a holy, but it really was an unholy uni union, uh, unlawful linking of what was called spiritual infinity. This is also known as soul link linking and sometimes soul mate. But it's a little different than I think what I first heard about soul linking. It was a kind of a spiritual kinship where we enter into a vow of chastity believing that sex was evil and sinful. It's my mind and your mind are linking together. Now, what would cause somebody to think that their mind would link with somebody else's mind if it's not some type of demonic spirit? We are physical beings. God gave us the ability to see and to feel. We are normally attracted to the opposite sex because we are opposite. And any time you attract to something that is not opposite of you, it's demonically influenced. Not only that, see, marriage today is an afterthought. You got people buying homes together that are not linked together in matrimony. What become linked is their financial obligation to pay this house note or to pay this car note. God had called man and woman by his decree. But these false teachers, influenced by the doctrine of devil, began to tell somebody, if your marriage is working, it's unknown. Because every time you look at your wife, every time you look at your husband, you think physical. Sounds good to me, but it's saying you're supposed to look at her and just see spiritual. Last night, one of the things we did, because I think some, we had we looked in our mate's faces and eyes, and we tried to see the Jesus in that individual. That was fine then down in the banquet hall. But I guarantee when we got back to the room, we saw more than Jesus. Amen. And ain't nothing wrong with that. But these teachers are trying to say it is. You young people, when you begin to move forth in life, you don't get married because your biological clock is ticking. You don't get married because everybody else is getting married. You begin to pray for your mate right now about who God's going to join you with. And then you do business. And doing business means you bring godly offsprings. The second teaching of the devil 
was to, was to abstain from certain foods. The devil teaches claim that eating animal flesh hinders your ability to contact the spirit world. Boy, if that was true, boy, would none of us be saved. Another doctrine of devils associated with dietary limitation is known as theophysis. It literally means or has to do with reincarnation. In other words, they would not eat animal because they wouldn't kill an animal. Because if they killed an animal, they may be killing their cousin and eating their cousin. Because we believe that when a person dies, their soul goes into a lower or a higher form. If you've been good, it goes to a lower, lower form like a house, horse, or a mule, or a cow, or a pig. If you've been, been good, then your soul goes to a high form like an angel. So it, they were so fearful of eating chickens and, and other stuff, pork chop, they wouldn't eat anything because they wouldn't kill anything because they were sorry, they were afraid that the soul they were going to be eating up. But you know what? The doctrine of devils will always contradict the word of God. It will always contradict the word of God. The Bible gives us clear evidence that marriages were ordained by God for his glory. As I told the retreat couple, marriage is a reflection of Jesus Christ's relationship between him and his church. And through marriage, God procreates the human race and his desires that the man and the woman, the husband and wife, produce godly offspring. For you guys that are parents, you need to raise your children up in the ways of the Lord. That's why you got them. Not the ways of the world. We were, me and me and a couple of guys were talking, I think with Deacon Walker, about that. And I think Deacon Jeremy was basically saying, we need to watch where our kids are watching. The danger of having TVs in every room and you don't even know, you don't have a, a uh, monitor on them, you don't know what they're watching. You're sacrificing your kids to demons. And that's your responsibility. Let me hit this last thing and we're going to get to the bottom line. The Bible also teaches that God created food to sustain life. And all food is useful for the nourishing of the body. All food is to be received with thanksgiving and is sanctified by the word of God when we pray. This included pork. If it had not been for pork, men, you wouldn't be here today. Y'all come from some of the smartest ancestors God had ever created. Somebody that can take all of the hog from the nose to the tail, from the inside to the outside, 
and make a meal out of it. I remember when we used to have old fashioned day. One day, I believe it was Brother Andrew Chandler bought some chicken feet in here for me and some rabbit in here because he knew for me. I didn't get a chance to eat the rabbit because somebody else that ate it before me, they didn't know what they were eating, but they just said, it sure was good. If you got dietary health issues, I understand that. But the Bible says all food was created. And I'm thankful that God gave us taste buds that we enjoy what we eat. The sin comes with overindulging. Forgive me, Lord. It's overindulging is the sin, not the food itself. Found out a couple weeks ago that I was anemic. And one of the things that the doctor told me to do was said, uh, my VA doctor, you need to eat liver at least twice a month. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> my other doctor told me that I need to start to eat more red meat. I said, thank you, Jesus. Now I got, so when I eat a hamburger in that hand, can't say nothing. What's the message bottom line? The doctrine of the devil deceived people by offering a clever imitation of the real thing. The rules were very stringent based on self-discipline and self-righteousness. But you can stay single and celibus, that's a thing from sex, all you want to. You can just eat grass all you want to. But neither one of those are going to deal with your sin. It's not going to deal with the sin debt. It's not going to cover the pillar of sin. It's not going to erase your guilt. Therefore, we must look beyond self-effort of the doctrine of the devil and look unto Jesus. You see, the doctrine of the devil will tell you, I can do it myself. The doctrine of the devil will tell you, I need to clean myself up. The doctrine of the devil will tell you, I got to get right first. And the doctrine of the devil will tell you, Jesus ain't the only way. But the Bible says, surrender and confess. And it starts with this simple. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.